Hi and welcome to the Zone Podcast Season 2. For those that you who are familiar with the Zone Podcast, we talk to interesting people from around the world and with interesting stories and, and interesting experiences, but also people that can add value. So we hope that uh, you can find some value in, in all of our podcasts and we keep them short enough so that you can you can do them on a walk or listen to them on a train. So today's podcast, we have Kent Johns, who's a health coach. Anyone who's who's seen any of the news understands the well-being is a critical factor today. There's a lot of stress, there's a lot of obesity, there's a lot of loneliness, and there's a lot of mental health issues. And Kent really does lean into that from the health end of the market and show you how to increase your energy. And he also talks about this little golden rule, which he says, hey, we've got to get away from that win-lose mentality and get into the growth mindset, starting with your why. So uh, grab a coffee or put your walking shoes on and get ready for a very interesting podcast with my friend and collaborator, Kent Johns. Hey, uh, welcome Kent, and really great to have you on the Zone podcast. As you know, we have an international audience, so uh, we need to first locate you. And I, I, I know, I know where you live, but you want to tell the world where you live and which country too. So, sure, yeah, I, I um, probably shouldn't get people to assume too much by saying I live in Auckland. So I live in Auckland, New Zealand, which is the biggest city in New Zealand. We're not far from Australia, of course. We have a great bond with those guys. Um, I've lived here my entire life. Uh, and consider myself a, a true blue Jaffa Liam, which for people outside of New Zealand probably don't realise that it's a derogatory term, just another in Aucklander, and that's me. Uh, our city is populated with many people from all over the show, but I'm a true blue Aucklander, so that's where I am. Ah, great, great. And you live on the North Shore, right, over in Tor Bay, which is beautiful, like there's beautiful beaches down there, right? Great spot. Yeah, really great spot. And look, it's good for the soul to live. I, I feel very blessed. I feel very fortunate, Liam, to live so close to the beach. I can walk there and have a swim uh, in five or six minutes. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people now going to be very jealous and they're probably switching this podcast off and going, shit, he lives by the beach. I'm not listening to it anymore. We're, we're not encouraging people to switch off. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, you know, you're a, you're a health coach, right? And I, I know that uh, health and well-being is a really big topic nowadays and you know there's a lot of mental health problems there's a lot of mm. obesity problems there's just a lot of stress uh you know it's driving the great resignation people are saying oh shit i've had enough of this uh, crap i just want to i just want to you know you know get out and do my own thing and have a bit of freedom to do what i want to do and that's driving a lot of churn and turnover same same here in new zealand you know um but you know, tell me about your story. How did you get into health coaching and what, why did you get into health coaching? Well, it's the ultimate question, Liam, and I, I still sit here and ponder it myself. I'm, I'm coming up 45 years of age. And if you'd said to me a few years ago that you would not be working in sports broadcasting before you turn 50, you'll be doing something in the health and wellness sector. I would have laughed and said, what the hell are you doing? But I mean, to be honest, this is one of the great things about, about living life and learning and in adapting and changing is that sometimes you end up in positions and adopting positions and philosophies that you would never have considered. And it's only with time and experience that you learn and maybe make, you know, wiser decisions. So long story short, I, I was working doing sports broadcasting for 20 years, long career, successful career. I loved it. I thought that would be me until I was 65, 70 years of age. 
but I found myself becoming tired, worn down, becoming a little more cynical, which which can happen when you're in journalism. Skepticism is a necessary tool, but cynicism, there's a fine line between the two. And so in hindsight, if I look back, I, I was burnt out. I didn't know it at the time. I would have right. been burnt out 2015, 16, 17, struggling to hang on to to my mental sanity. Sleep was terrible. I started a new program doing breakfast radio, and this is the same for anyone who, who does it anywhere in the world. If you're getting up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, it's, you were going to pay a heavy price for that, as enjoyable as the job was. I had uh, my first child. My partner gave birth in 2016 to a little girl. Long story short, Liam, we got to about the end of 2017, and I shot to pieces. I, I had nothing left to give. I was... Wow starting to feel resentful about the position I was in, wanting to be a good, all I wanted to do was be a good dad and I had no, no energy to do it. So what I did is I took myself off to a dietitian who I've known for a few years and I've, I feel like I hit the jackpot because she's a whole foods dietitian. She said, Kent, we can turn this around real fast. What we need you to do is don't eat sugar for two weeks, don't eat white bread for two weeks, don't have pasta for two weeks, don't have white rice. What else? Am I missing one? The, the the dirty big five anyway. The white the white starches and sugar and watch try not to drink too much alcohol for so two weeks. I can do this. I'm I'm forty years of age. What's two weeks? It changed my life. It changed my life, Liam. I I honestly found it so easy to do. I was starting to sleep better. I lost the weight just fell off me. I never considered myself overweight. I thought I was out of shape just a bit podgy. I was just a bit out of shape. No, no, I lost nine kilos in about 10 wow. weeks, which was about 10% of my body weight. So I was overweight. I just didn't realize it and hadn't acknowledged it. Um, and so the, the effects were profound. My skin cleared up. My partner was saying that my nails look good. I'm like, really? My nails? My skin? Are you kidding? <laughs> just things that a, a, a middle-aged Kiwi man would not take any notice of. And I'm thinking, man, it's the food. And it somehow lit in me a desire to share this information. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd be the same, Liam. You've got all this great science in your head. You want to start sharing it. This desire to, to e uh, exercise had sprung out of nowhere. The knee pain, the chronic knee pain that I had just disappeared overnight. Well, I, not overnight, but within three or four weeks, it was gone. I'd given up football because of an ACL reconstruction. Now, all of a sudden, I'm walking four or five times a week. Where has this desire come from? I was sitting around doing nothing. Well, it's all because I changed what I was eating. And so one thing led to another. I started reading more. I started becoming more engaged. And I thought, you know what? I need to spread the message. So it lit in me, maybe the thought, just the seed was planted about a career change. Um, and then that was accelerated in 2020 when uh, I was made redundant from the radio station that I was working in and therefore accelerated my journey into the health and wellness area. So, so they, it was a silver lining of that dark cloud. You got made redundant. In actual fact, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to you in a way. It sort of, it sort of like, a bit like COVID forced us into doing yeah. everything digital. Redundancy yes. forced you into going, wow, it, yeah. it really is a pivot, pivot point. Yeah, the redundancy made me go hard. I, I, was, I, would have, I would have exited that industry anyway, but maybe within nine or 12 months. But I think yeah. you're right. The, the, I wouldn't recommend redundancy, by the way, to anybody. It's brutal. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it can be you know, somewhat dehumanizing. I, yeah, I felt like yeah. I lost my dignity there for a while. Great thing with dignity, Liam, is that you can get it back. If you're patient with it, you can, it, it comes back. But that was a brutal experience, to be, to be truthful. But I think you're right. I think you summed it up quite nicely. If I, if I look back two and a half years later, the best thing that happened to me was, was that it was swift and then it forced me 
to dig deep, I had to dig pretty deep to turn things around and turn things around fast. And it's been a very rewarding experience coaching others in that time. Oh, that's great. That's great. Hey, and I noticed you've got, you know, the, the pro headphones, the mic in front of you, the green screen behind you, your chairs all set up. <laughs> You're probably in a closet somewhere. You know what I mean? Like in the back, the back room. But, yeah. you know, what are you doing around, you know, the broadcasting of this message? Are you doing podcasts? Are you, do, you know, what are you doing? Why have you got that set up? I mean, yeah, you know. I, well, I still like to dabble. It's very nice to keep your hand in. Uh, someone said to me, Kent, once you're a broadcaster, you're always a broadcaster. It's in your blood. And I, I kind of understand uh, what he means. I don't miss the full time stuff. I don't miss analyzing All Blacks rugby wins and cricket and all of the rest of it. I don't, I don't miss any of that stuff. But it is nice to turn the microphone on and engage with people and listen to their stories. Uh, I was very fortunate, Liam, I, I got a phone call a year or so ago from a former colleague who was re-establishing a radio program here in New Zealand. It's a one-hour show each week. We've turned that into a podcast. It's called Take It From Us. And we've, oh, we've spoken to some amazing people, people with lived experience with mental health and distress and depression. And we've listened to stories around fetal alcohol um, disorder, autism, addiction, I've lost track of the number of people that I've spoken to who are suicide survivors. Uh, it's very humbling and it's it's powerful, but it's also important. So the work that we're doing with Take It From Us has been hopefully beneficial to a number of the listeners who, who get to tune in every week. Okay, so that that sort of started you on your journey and, you know, you, you, you had a bit of a aha moment with your diet and uh, you, you're forever grateful for your <laughs> for that nutritionist sort of giving you a slap in the face with the wet fish. But how is that? How's how's your philosophy now built on on health? I mean, health coaching. When you when you do some health coaching with someone, what what is it? Do you you know do you get them to sort of flip from one scale to the other? I mean, what's your philosophy around you know the sustainable health? Because I know I know that that's really the most important thing, right? Such a good word to use, sustainable health. Uh, most people can lose weight. Uh, but then and often they'll put it back on again. So we know with weight loss, there just simply has to be a dietary intervention. You can't have any success unless you're changing what you're eating. So I often start with food, Liam, um, because I believe if you eat well, that leads to having more energy. Then you're more likely to exercise. You're physically going to feel better for that and mentally better for that. It'll help you wind down at night. If you do that and manage your, your stresses at night and actually your social time and do things that you want to be enjoying, turn the laptop off, put park work, you're more likely to get a better night's sleep. If you get a better night's sleep, you wake up re renewed re and with energy, with purpose, and you've got better decision-making capability because of that mental clarity. So you're likely to then choose a decent breakfast and a decent lunch. So it all rolls in together. So normally, if I was to sit down with, with somebody, I'd ask them straight up, where would you like to start? And right. it's funny that invariably people want to start with food. Uh, and it makes sense, Liam, because we all have to eat. You know, right. not everybody smokes, not everyone smokes, not everyone drinks, not everyone dabbles, but but we all have to eat. And a lot of people, I think, struggle, and certainly recently, with too much alcohol or too much sugar or whatever it might be. And we form an emotional, comforting relationship with a lot of addictive, bad, bad food. And, and food in its worst form is poison. You know, there's that phrase, bad, you know, good food is medicine or food, let food be thy medicine. Well, good food is medicine, bad food is poison. So in some cases, you're better off not eating and fasting than you would be to be consuming. So I often just ask them straight up, you know, where would you like to start? And one thing leads to another. I firmly believe that, Liam, if you can get your diet sorted, 
it leads to more energy. You want to exercise more, and so on and so on, so on down the track. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess too, if you if you eat better and you you have that more mental clarity and stuff, in a funny way, a roundabout way, you're probably going to save money, right? <laughs> because most people's fridges and cupboards are full with stuff that you know. I think you said you know uh, when we were we were chatting before uh, before the podcast. What did you call it? The 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 won't power. I mean, won't I love power. It. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I love that. Yeah, so, so won't power is if I if I won't buy it, I can't eat it. I don't have it. So we 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 talk about willpower, 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 willpower. You hear that all of the time. Motivation, lack of motivation. But you know, you, you come home from a busy day at work, Liam, with decision fatigue. You've made five hundred and four decisions during the day, and then you come home and you really don't want to be eating rubbish food, but it's there. It looks good. You've got the toffee pops in the fridge, or you've got the Doritos in the pantry. Oh, go on! I'll just open another bag. And so we're brutal on ourselves. We then knock ourselves about and we're critical for, for giving in, for caving. Our willpower wasn't strong enough. We've got to go easy on ourselves. Your best bet with that stuff is not to buy it. So that's what I refer right. to with won't power. It's the number one tool in my nutritional toolbox to help people simply walk past it at the supermarket. Because most people, it's never occurred to them not to buy it. They're buying the stuff mindlessly, throwing it in their trolleys, bringing it home, and then beating themselves up for, for eating too much of it when the simple way to go about it is to just reframe it. You know, take some ownership, turn that into a, an affirmation. God damn it, mm. I won't freaking buy it. So it's, a, it's an affirmative action rather than a reactive one. So, and right. surprise, surprise, it works. So I'm big on that. So it's a bit like climate change, you know, like stop doing this and, you know, things will think you're, you're contributing, right? So it's like, changing the climate of your whole body in a way, right? Yeah, take action. Like we've got to act against this. We, we know this with, with mental illness and things like depression and anxiety. Social isolation is a big one at the moment, Liam. People are feeling like they're, they're either lonely or they're socially isolated. We have to act against that stuff. We can't sit around and wait for things to change. We can't sit around and wait for people to help us. We actually have to act against it. And I like that because it empowers people. You know, everyone that I've worked with is not broken. They don't need fixing. They're real, they're capable, they're whole, and they're resourceful. They just need to steer in the right direction. I firmly believe that. So what, what's your, what's your uh, typical client um, you know, that you, you're working with? Because I know you've got corporates, you've got you know, you know, uh, personals, you've got, I mean, you've got this other podcast that you're sort of giving back to the, the community and the world. How, how do you describe your typical client? They come in, they say, hey, I need some help. I, I want to be healthier. I want to make better decisions. I want to be a better dad or a better mum or a better leader. Mm. How can you help? So where does it start? Well, most people are in the same spot, Liam, as they're down on energy. So they're in exactly the same spot where I was a few years ago. Because to be right. successful, to get the best out of yourself, you know, people talk about being productive, which is great. But what we're after is getting the best out of ourselves, being the best version of ourselves. And that takes energy. You need energy to do that. People are lost for energy. They're stuffed. My, my typical client would be a male who would be 45, 50 years old, hard life of fun and enjoyment and engagement. He'd probably have a few football injuries or some sports injuries. He's drunk, he's drunk way too much piss for, for many years. He's eaten a lot of bad food, a lot of sugar, high stress job, managing staff, and then comes home to a, a family of four. 
and then is wanting to be a dad but doesn't have the energy to do it. Struggles to get good sleep because he's up late working to all hours on his laptop. Then he turns his laptop off and thinks, right, I need me time, which wasn't a phrase in the 1980s, I don't think. I need me time. Okay, I'm going to watch two hours of Netflix. And he's going to bed at one o'clock, waking up the next day, having four cups of coffee, feeling ratchet and wondering why he can't cope with the next day. That would be my typical client. Have you heard of him? I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard of them as well. And just, just so that you know, uh, when you say he's drunk too much piss, that doesn't actually mean urine in New Zealand. That means alcohol, <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just for those people in Europe, uh, just think in case they think Kiwis are crazy. What's your What's your philosophy then around? Because I know I've seen it. I was looking at your website and it was talking about small changes rather than just this big pendulum swing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I find that really interesting. Because I find People want to do a three, you know, like a 180, like, oh, yeah. I'm doing this. And, all, and then they go hard and then they fail. Yeah. So what's the secret of this yeah. small changes thing you talk about? Well, yeah, you've, you've got to start small to make it sustainable. We're all after sustainable change. And I think you're so right, Liam, that people have these big, grandiose goals, you know, aspirations, which are great, but they want it overnight. If you can hear me click my right. fingers, that's that's how quick yeah. they want it. And there's no silver bullet. You know, and I've I've had to explain this to a few people over the years is that look, when was and I will ask this question to people. So let's say a guy comes in, he's 40, 44 years old. When was the last time you felt great? And the answer might be when twenty years ago, when I was twenty five. And I'll and I'll say, Okay, well let's reframe this. You haven't felt peak level of contentment and lust for life for twenty years. Right, that's a long time. Mm. Why? Why do you think you can just turn that around in an instant? But the optimistic thing to say, Liam, is also that it doesn't take twenty years to turn it around. It might take twenty right. weeks. It'll right. be it'll be weeks. It might be months, but it won't be years. The body is hugely adaptive to change. We we can turn our health around. It is way quicker to get healthier than it is to get sick. Way quicker. And so I love that. I get energized when I talk about that. And I encourage people, just be patient, hang in there. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you can look after yourself and go well for a week and turn that into two weeks, turn that into three weeks, at some point, there will be an aha moment. At some point, there will there will be a click. I think of a, a client that I worked with a couple of years ago, Liam, who we'd been, I think we'd had three or four coaching sessions together over the space of four or five weeks. And I met him for a coffee. And I'll never forget, he turned up and he had a glint in his eye. He looked great. You could see it in the guy's eyes. And I thought to myself, wow, he, this guy, I think, has obviously made some real big changes. And we sat down and had a coffee, and he couldn't get over how far he'd come in four weeks. He didn't think it was possible. So you can wow. see it. You can see it in people that at, at some point, if you're just patient with yourself and go easy, that a piece comes together and there will be an, maybe not an aha moment, but there'll be something that comes into place for people and they'll think, you know what? This is actually working for me. God damn it. This is working. I can do this. And then, of course, the success feeds the motivation to keep it going. But the right. success can only come from starting small and from being really, really patient and, and going easy on yourself. Right, right. And so that that sort of you know self-love and self-support is super important to maintain the journey, right? You can't be criticizing yourself if you fall off the wagon. You're just like, oh, I've got to get get back on the bike. Well, we we use this word pass and fail or these terms pass and fail a lot, Liam. You know, that black and white thinking, that win or lose mentality. What what mm. we what we need to be seeing more of and encouraging more of is what I would call a growth mindset. 
That is, if I do my best as often as I can, I'm on the right track. You might like to turn it into, say, the 80-20 rule. 80%, if, I'm, if, I, if I go healthy or make good decisions 80% of the time, that's probably going to be enough. I don't have to be perfect. I'm not looking for perfection. I don't have to make mm. the right decisions 100% of the time. If I do the good things most of the time, that's okay. The All Blacks, of course, world-famous uh, sports team out of New Zealand, they talk about this. And you know, when I would interview the players or interview the coaches many years ago, Liam, you'd run into this phrase all of the time. If we do our process as well, and if we do things well during the week, the result will take care of itself. And I think, oh, really? You're trotting that out again? How boring. But you know what? It's right. It's the right mm. way to go. If we do those things well, the results will take care of themselves. We don't sweat the result. So park the black and white thinking, pass the, park the pass-fail mentality, and adopt a growth mindset, which is very challenging for people, particularly successful people. Successful people in business find this really difficult to buy into to making changes slowly and surely and sustainably. But then they see the results after two weeks or four weeks and, and they start to become converts. Right, right. And so, you know, uh, for the people that are looking at this now and they're sort of looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, I could, I could do with a bit of health coaching. You know, what does a health coach actually do? So I'll, I'll give you a sort of a context. It, so you, you maybe provide some science and, and, and like data, like, hey, you might be an accountability buddy, you might be a big supporter, you might be develop a program which is which is, you know, in of one, you individual program for an individual person rather than an off the shelf, hey, you know, like yeah. buy a diet buy a diet package. But am I missing something? What else are you what else are you doing? Or is it is it those buckets that you're generally focusing on and making it very individualized? Yeah, very individualized is key. You you you're pretty much bang on. So you need to meet as a coach, I need to meet the client or the person. I, I hate the word client, but it's, it's the only one that we use most of the time. But if I'm working with someone, I want to meet them where they're at. You need to meet them where they're at. You need, right. to, be able to, you need to be able to help them figure out and, and their why. So that Because habits and behaviors are driven by emotions. Mm. So people need to ask themselves, why is it that I want to be making the changes? What am I in it for? Is it because I want to be a good dad is it because i want to be around long enough to have grandkids is it because i love my partner and i haven't been spending enough time with him or her and i need the energy to do that like ask yourself the why and then you can go from there so motivational interviewing is a key tool for a coach which is right. me asking you a heap of questions for you to come up with the answers so so a coach liam is different to a counselor or a psychiatrist or a gp or a psychologist where they're the experts and we go to them looking for a fix. They've got the answer to the problem that I have. As a coach, our philosophy is different. We believe that the person we're coaching is wholly capable of making decisions and they are the expert of their own life. They just need a help. They just need to steer in the right direction. And from that motivational interviewing, there might come a time where I need to offer some advice or pass right. on some science. Right. You know, actually... Yeah. It, it turns out that this is this could be the right approach for you, or what do you think about that? And and then try and individualize and tailor your approach. So we don't prescribe, and we certainly don't diagnose, but we just work with the person side by side to meet them where they're at, to try and get them to the place where they want to be, and to help them feel successful. That's a huge part of being a health and wellness coach is to help people feel success, and really encourage them to to go easy on themselves and talk to themselves like they would talk to a loved one.
be super supportive of themselves. That's a key right. plank. That often is not where most people are at. They're more of a critic on themselves than a coach. Or, you know, like, you know, totally. Like, oh my God, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Oh, I got hurt. And I suppose that stress then pushes you into a sort of a more of a reactive mode, which then feeds the addiction to the, the, the stuff for a quick fix of sugar or fat or, or yeah. salt or something, you know. Yeah, well, what you're referencing there, of course, is negative self-talk, which we all have. Right. And, and it served us well, hasn't it, in evolutionary terms for for thousands of years, that, that, that negativity. But we have a negativity bias and we all have it and it served us well and we need it to stay alive. But we can't be having a, a negativity bias that is constantly there, driving cortisol and adrenaline and that chronic stress where we're constantly right. looking for challenges we're constantly looking for threats we're constantly critiquing we're constantly questioning it's exhausting and that's how we get tired and that's you're right you, you collapse on the couch and you make a poor food decision because you've got no energy left so we work with that in a, in a coaching sense we would call that the saboteur that negative right. self-talk that voice in the mm -hmm, brain mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it turns out there are about 10 saboteurs that we all might have in our head. We've all got the judge, naming your judge, because we judge ourselves, we judge each other, we judge circumstance. I've named mine the dishonorable bastard. And if he starts, if he starts yapping in my head, I'll tell him to fuck off. Right. So you name, by naming him or that identity that you got, that judge, that helps you get some distance between you and it. So now it becomes a thing rather than you. Exactly. I am not my thoughts. That That's the premise of that. I am not my thoughts. And if I can identify and observe my thoughts, I can separate them myself from them. They're just thoughts. It's just a voice right. in the head going, da, 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 da. just because I'm thinking the stuff doesn't mean that those are values or those are opinions that I actually hold. Mm, that's really interesting, right? So I'm, I'm not my thoughts, yeah. Sort of yeah. a very Eastern philosophy as well, isn't it? Sort of like, you know, observe your thoughts and, you know, you just have this stream of thoughts and you can jump on that train or you can stay at the station and say, hey, I'm actually going to get the next train because that's going where I want to go. Great. Love that metaphor. That's a terrific metaphor. Just let them go past. Just let them go past. I don't have to. I don't have to jump on that. I don't have to act on that. And also, too, if you can just slow that down and observe your thoughts, it creates a gap between that thought and and an action. You're more likely to to not do something that would not hold true to what your values are. And often, Liam, too, we work with people's values. They might have just lost lost their way with values. I know with people who have mild and moderate mental distress, and and even people who who have depression, that values is something that they've lost their way on. And if you can try okay. and help a person realign with what where they're, where they're at and where they'd like to be as far as things in life that they value, that can often be quite handy as well. Mm, so that's great. Hey, so look, we're, we're, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but we're coming up to our 30-minute uh, mark and, and uh, I like to make these podcasts so people can do a 30-minute do a walk in the morning and listen and get some gems. Can I just say too, good for you because, good, because, go because too many podcasts are way too long. So I love the fact yeah. that because I, I go for a 45, 50 minute, 60 minute walk. I want to make sure I can listen to an entire podcast in that time. So good for you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You get to sort of gather your thoughts yeah. and stuff like that too and stuff like that. Um, so two, two things. First of all, how can people get hold of you? How can they contact you? And also that, that other podcast that you're doing, how do they find that? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, so people can jump on there if they like. Kent, K-E-N-T, Johns, J-O-H-N-S. I have a website as well, kentjohnshealth.co.nz. NZ, of course, for New Zealand. So please send me a message. Let me know how you're going. Uh, the Take It From Us 
radio program uh, can be found online as well through a website called Planet FM. And it will take you to a library of all of our programs that have been turned into podcasts. I think further on down the track, they'll be much more easily accessible, but you can find them that way. Okay. And you'll take clients from New Zealand, Australia, anywhere. You know, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not just solely... Uh, and you, you might be more heavily weighted in New Zealand, but you're ho- open to any clients from anywhere in the world. Sure. I mean, obviously, there will be time zone constraints. If it's if it's in the middle of the night for me, that might prove to be a challenge. <laughs> but I, I have coached people in London, UK, for example. Okay. And we just we just found a time. I think there's a twelve or thirteen hour difference, isn't there? And we just found a time that suited. Yep. So absolutely. I mean, this is the beauty now of, of the video conferencing and and even. You know, coaching over the phones is difficult, I must admit, but video conferencing is the next best thing to right. being in the room. So, yeah, I know of other coaches too that coach people all over the world, so it's great. Great, great, great. What can you leave the listeners with that's that's like a practical tool, or one or two? Um, we've talked about the the won't power. Yeah. <laughs> which I love, you know, like just, just uh, you know, uh, drive uh, increase in willpower by... Walking past it in the supermarket. Flip it, the bird. Uh, Stick a go. Flip it, yeah, up yeah. yours. Yeah, up yours. Um, so, what else have you got in your in your kit bag? Any words of wisdom to close, and and then we'll we'll close off. Yeah. I, I think I think Liam, you used that phrase before. N equals one experiment. Yeah, see yourself as an experiment. Play around, see what works. What works for me won't work for you, and vice versa. So that's why, as a coach, I never prescribe because everybody is going to be different. But there are some practical tools, like people who are addicted to their phone and spend too much time scrolling through their phone in bed. A very simple technique to help with that is take the damn phone charger and stick it in the kitchen. Right. So then at night, and then at night when you go to bed, you stick your phone on the charger and you leave it. And people go, "What? The, no, you can't. You can't be serious." Well, now I am serious. Because now you go to bed and you don't have the phone. Give that five, six, seven days of doing that, you've formed a new habit. You don't have to wait 65 days to form a habit. You've right. designed a behavior that actually is practical for you. Within cool. a few days, you've gotten yourself into that new habit of leaving the phone in the kitchen and going to bed. You've now given yourself a greater chance of a good night's sleep. Uh, I like to, to start small. Uh, Liam, I'll reference a performance behavioral specialist in America called BJ Fogg. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called Tiny Habits. I've adopted his philosophy for, with a few things and and it works. Start small. You know, mm. I do as many press-ups each morning as I possibly can now. I started out by doing one. I did one wow. press-up, looked myself in the mirror and said, good boy, Kent, that tomorrow's another day. That's how you make it sustainable, is that you pick something that you want to be doing, that you think you'll enjoy doing. Enjoyment's key to behavioral change. And start small. If you want to do 50 press-ups, chances are you won't be able to do 50. But in a month or six weeks or eight weeks, guess what? You probably will if you start small and make that an aspirational goal that you can get to. That would be you know, one of the, one of the best tools that I know of. It, it, I can speak to that firsthand, and I've seen it in others as well. Believe it, it works. Start small, give yourself the credit, give yourself a fist pump and go, you little beauty, as we say in New Zealand, you little beauty, I'm on the right track. I can do this, and then we've got that keyword sustainability. Great, great. Hey, well, Ken, it's been fabulous. Look, you know, I really encourage people uh, to reach out to you and say, "Hey, how can I take control of my own health and uh, and do it for the do it for the right reason? Whether it's the family, or whether it whether it's your brother or your sister, or whether it's just for you, it's like." 
find your why and um, and go from there. So thanks very much. And uh, we'll probably see you again sometime on a podcast soon and uh, keep up the good work. I appreciate you having me on, Liam. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, wasn't that a super interesting but also super important podcast about taking control of your health, getting your energy back and therefore making better decisions and coming out probably healthier and wealthier in, in many in many many ways. I loved his uh, message about the saboteur, the judge, uh, and the interesting name that he called it. You know, we all have those those moments when uh, our critic kicks in, or as he called it, his saboteurs. I'm looking forward to finding out what the other nine are. I really loved his philosophy around uh, a growth mindset and, and taking small steps. And I love the fact that he recognized, uh, you know, that book, uh, tiny habits because I've read that myself and it, and it really does does change your life. So thanks again to Kent. As you know, if you want to find us, the Zone, we are www.thezone.co, and we make leaders, teams, and organisations exceptional, and we do that by making them more human. So if you'd like to be more exceptional, if you'd like to be more human as a leader, as a team, or as your organization, get in touch and we'll see if we're the right fit for you. Ciao for now.